This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi everyone and welcome back. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing the story of Kelsey, a teacher from the States who has very kindly agreed to share her story of being completely consumed by the job in her early career. She says that she really lost herself and then she shares with us how she found her way back to herself, to Kelsey the person first and the teacher second. She has a lot of great tips and she has done a lot of work in this area on refinding her identity and reclaiming her health and well-being. And I love that she talks about having Kelsey growth time every night. So you will uh, hear all of that in just a minute. And um, you can also follow Kelsey over at Adventuring Kelsey on Instagram. And Kelsey and I also talk a lot in this episode about the power of rituals and routines and decision fatigue and the problems that many teachers have of not being able to shut off their brain at night, not being able to disconnect and think about something other than school and, and how this really has an, an impact on their sleep as well, which of course we know has a flow and effect to everything else. And back in season four, I spoke with Vince and he talked about how important it was for him or how helpful it was for him to come home and have these hobbies and these other things that he was thinking about, something that was lighting him up that could distract him from schoolwork. So he was coming home and it's not necessarily that he was vegging on the couch, but coming home and then he'd have something to do. Obviously for Vince, it was involved in a bit of a side hustle and that's the same for Kelsey, but something that lit them up, that gave them something else to think about other than school. And I definitely, definitely do not want to be promoting the idea that every teacher needs to have a side hustle. I think it's much more common in the States because because of a whole bunch of reasons, but financial is one of them, definitely. I don't want to be promoting side hustles as the solution because I don't think they are the solution. I think they actually create a whole bunch more work and it can put a whole lot more pressure on you. So don't, I don't want you to think that that is what I'm saying. But what I do want to point out here is the power of having something in your life that really lights you up, that can really give you something else to think about and give you something to focus on when you get home from work other than school, because that is a piece of the puzzle, right? It's not the only solution, but it's one way to help. And it's something that's come up a couple of times now on the podcast. But even more than that, I've been toying with this idea for ages and I'm just putting it out there now. I've just decided in June, I'm just telling people about it and we'll just see what happens, right? So I um, have this idea for a six-month group program that combines mindfulness and coaching and brain science and productivity and just everything I've learned about all of those things and to basically help you learn to manage your mind better. So starting in July, together, a small group, we will explore the various concepts and skills and strategies that combine to produce a better or easier experience of managing your mind, managing what goes on inside your head because you do not have to believe everything you think and you are not stuck with the thoughts that you have today, there, there is a lot that you can do to work with that and to, you know, improve your experience of the world without necessarily changing anything externally. So this program actually is going to go for six months, right? It's a pilot program. We're going to see how it goes, but it is a six-month program because 
this is not a quick fix. If you're looking for a quick fix, then I'm not your person. I think you know that by now. I'm not interested in selling snake oil or overnight solutions because I don't believe they really exist. But I do know that it is possible to feel more comfortable and in control of your brain and to learn to manage your mind more effectively and more enjoyably. And it's something that I work with people on in coaching and teaching meditation. But this would be kind of combining all of that and going in a bit of a next level with some other stuff that's come through recently. So if it sounds like something you're interested in, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Self Care for Teachers. Send me a DM or a PM or whatever they're called. And just let me know your expression of interest in the mind management program because I haven't even got anything on the website yet. So let me know your expression of interest and I will keep you posted. And we're going to start in July and it's going to go through till the end of the year. So let me know. It won't, it's not going to be a huge like hours and hours a week commitment, but it is going to be a regular catch up coaching group program. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you something you think that that might be useful to you. And in the meantime, enjoy Kelsey's story. Hi, Kelsey. How are you going? Good. How are you? I have a little bit of a cold, but we're going to plow on. Uh, Let's start with, um, well, first, thanks for coming on the show. And I'm really glad we could uh, tee up a time with our time difference, because obviously you are based in the US. Let's start, um, if you could tell us about your background and a bit about your teaching history. Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently in my fourth year of teaching. When I started teaching, I did teach third grade for a year, and I have since moved to second grade. And I just absolutely, I love that age. And that was the age that I student taught into. So I kind of just from that moment, kind of had a a feeling that I knew that that's ultimately the grade that I wanted to be at. And so now, yeah, I'm in my fourth year, third year of uh, second grade. And I mean, that's kind of it really for my teaching background. Cool. And I'd love to hear, because I know that you have had some challenges throughout that time and they've really led you on a real health and wellbeing journey. Can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So it really all started, honestly, my first year. And my first year was incredibly hard and not just based off of the expectations that are put on us as teachers, my class makeup. That all, of course, played into it because that's the reality of the job. But I really ultimately lost myself because I got to this point where I feel like a lot of first year teachers get to, and even, you know, a lot of veteran teachers can get to this point too, where I was the teacher who was showing up an hour earlier than I needed to be there, staying an hour and a half later than I needed to, and then taking work home with me, even though I had just gotten there early and stayed late and worked through my plan time and all of that. And it consumed my life. And teaching is a job that does consume a good chunk of our time, our emotions, and all of that. But it got to a point where it was detrimental to me, to my health, um, my mental health, my physical health, and all of that. And I really found myself lost and separated from who I truly was. And I was someone like I was very into like health and fitness and eating healthy and going to the gym. But it wasn't like I wasn't showing up in those places for the right reasons there either. It was kind of just those those ideas of, oh, well, I need to be fit and I need to be in shape as opposed to I need this for my sanity in a sense. I need this to help me work through the mental struggles that I'm having through teaching and taking on everything in my first year. 
Yeah, well, I I love that you say that it consumed you because like we all know first year is a bit of a shock to the system and there's a lot of work to do and it is going to take up a lot of your time and energy, but there is a difference between it taking up a lot of time and energy and feeling like it's consumed you like because like even the use of that word suggests that you as an individual aside from being a teacher, you know, the person first teacher second has stopped existing. You have been consumed and I really appreciate you sharing that because I think there's generally a culture that of course you have to work hard, you've got to show up, you know, and it's great that you were still able to keep going to the gym and do all those things. But as you said, it wasn't necessarily with the right intention or for the right reasons. It was like all of this, I have to, as opposed to this is good for me and I'm doing this because I want to. Right. And I mean, honestly, even looking back on it, like I worked out more then in my first year of teaching than I do now. And so I think that says a lot too, like that it was for the wrong reasons because now it's like, oh, I'm going to go do this because I know my body is craving this right now. This is something that's going to help with my mental clarity. This is something that's going to help with like a stressful day at work. And there's a whole nother meaning to working out and going to the gym. That's a lot healthier. But of course, that's taken four years to get there, you know, as well as other things. And it it just, like you said, there is a difference between the busyness and the consumption of it because as a first-year teacher too, there's so much to learn and that's the first time you're officially alone, you know? And like, yeah, through your your experiences, like especially towards the end of your um, education and stuff, you are in the classroom and you may be left, you know, for times by yourself. I know for me, when I was student teaching, it was like a month or so that I was like, I'm going to say quote unquote on my own because because still, if I needed something or I didn't feel comfortable in something, I had someone there to support me and to help me. Yeah, absolutely. Where when you're in your first year, it's like, oh, like it's me you know, and like you have the, the support if you need to call like the office for help, or you have administrators that you can go to and say like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need support. But it's not like the in the moment support. You're officially on that on your own. Exactly. And I think some of that is like, that's part of the process of growth and maturing. And, and, you know, it's like getting your driver's license and you go from like driving with a parent or an instructor in the car. And then you might do lots of driving where they're in the car, but they don't, they don't say anything because you know, you're finally competent, but then that first time you've got your license and you drive by yourself and there's no one in the car, it's scary. And that, and that's part of the process. And then once you've been driving for 10 years, you're like, yeah, you know, I can drive. I don't think about this anymore, but it's all new when you're starting. And it's the same as a first year teacher, like everything's new. There is so much to learn. And some of that, you just have to go through it. But as you said, there's that difference between it, the busyness and the, it just taking over everything. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's the point when it does consume you and it takes a toll on you. That's when it's not healthy because even now as a teacher, yes, I'm exhausted. Like there are days where I have no energy to do anything because that's the reality of the job. But when you're living in that constantly and that's all you're experiencing, that's when something's off, something's not right. And it's, it's probably time to start taking action. And I really do suggest like, I wish someone would have told me this before my first year, and that is to take care of yourself. And it is something that like you think, oh, well, no, duh, I'm going to take care of myself. Like that's a no brainer, but 
you don't realize the importance of it as a first year teacher until you go through that. And so I still think had somebody told me that I probably would have been like, Oh yeah, I do a nice job of taking care of myself. Like I'll be fine. I still think it would have helped to have just heard that. Like you have to make that a priority. Yeah. Well, you don't know the worth of water until the well is dry. Right. So it's one thing to be like intellectually aware that this is important. And it's a total other thing to have actually experienced it and go, okay, no, I get now why people keep saying this to me, (laughs) Um, why this message is, you know, repeated over and over. And so what happened for you? I suppose it reached a point where you started to make a change. What were you seeing in your life and in your work that was letting you know that something had to give? Yeah. I wasn't showing up in my relationships in any of them, like family, friendships, whatever, in the way that I had before. I was very short-tempered. I would say that I had a short fuse. I wasn't like rude or disrespectful, but it didn't take much to like set me off into a whirlwind of being upset. And it would be for the silliest things, like... Close to overwhelm all the time. Yes, yes. And it wasn't like... Like, there are things now that wouldn't even phase me. Like, (laughs) a few weeks ago, my coffee pot, like, spilled, like when I was making coffee, the coffee didn't even go in the pot. It went all over my counter. It was one of those moments. And like, yes, in the moment I was still very frustrated, but in my first year of teaching, that would have been something like I would have been in tears. I would have been like cussing out the coffee maker. And then I would have been taking it out on everybody else that I encountered that day. It was just, like you said, those small things that just completely set me off. And I knew that that wasn't who I was. I knew that I wasn't treating people the way that I wanted to treat them. And I knew that I wasn't showing up for my students in that light either because of that, because I would be so set off by something so small. And I will say even now, like there are moments where I'm like, holy cow, that's something small that you're being set off by. But because of what I've been able to put in place, I can now work through that. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. We all have moments, but it's not all of life all the time. Yes. It's not to say it won't go away. Yeah. And so what did you do? What changes did you make? How did you overcome that place that you'd gotten to? How did you improve your health and well-being? Yeah. I really started diving into self-development, lots of looking deep within myself. What is it that's causing these things? Because when you do the deep work too, you realize things. So like when I did start doing this deep work, I realized it wasn't just stemming from school. You know, there were other things like, yes, school is a major part of it, but there are other things that I had been holding on to for so long that that had been building up also. And it just when I reached that breaking point was the time where it all just came out and spun out. And so it was hard for me because it was one of those things where it's like, I know I need something, but I'm not willing to admit that to anybody yet. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to have that stuff pointed out. Like to do some of that inner work can be really uncomfortable and painful in in the moment, which is why we avoid it because frankly, it's not pleasant, but it's so worth it. But yeah, it's not fun. (laughs) No, it's not. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, I can start with like getting this book. No one will have to know I have it, you know, like stuff like that. And I actually, so it was the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin and love that. Love everything. Gretchen. I was like, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you have. (laughs) Yes. So that was the first one. And actually I really do think I would like to reread it now in the place that I'm at, because back then it was like, okay, I need something. I need to get the needle rolling, but I was still kind of hesitant to that deep work. And so I read it. 
I did read the whole thing, but I didn't necessarily implement everything in it that she had suggested. It was maybe just like a couple things here or there. And you got to start where you are. Like, so that's, yeah. I always say to people, don't get sort of caught up in this, like, oh my God, but there's like a thousand things that I need to change. Like just start with one and get that one happening and then add the next one. <laughs> like, so you got to start where you are. Yep. And I, I totally agree with that now, even now when I'm like, oh, I want to take on something new and I get like these five different ideas. I'm like, no, if you do that, you're going to fail. You have to start with the one, get successful there and then, you know, hop to the next. And so, yeah, that's really just kind of how it started. And then from there, just kind of more, again, I did start getting into that deep self work. Um, I had some tough conversations with some people, but they needed to happen. I've let go of some people and that wasn't easy either. But I do think that made a difference too, because who you surround yourself with really, really does impact where you're at. It does. And so it's taken a while. And then about a year ago, I honestly feel like the most work I have done and the most impactful work I have done on myself has been within the last year when I decided that I needed to help other people. (laughs) And I was like, I, it was so uncomfortable for me. And at the time I really felt alone. I felt like no one else got it. And so a year ago, I just kind of had this calling, like I need to help these people people because I know I'm not the only one who's feeling this way. And so since then, because I feel like I need to be my best possible self to show up for people. So I'm doing even more deep work. And I've learned a lot more in the last year just around self-development. And again, I've read some books and I've actually implemented (laughs) the stuff from those instead of just like reading the book and thinking that'll happen. And that's something that I feel like honestly happens a lot too, is people are like, okay, I'm going to get this self-development book. I'm going to read it and I'm going to be good. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like, yeah, you've got to action it. Yes. And you're going to learn from it, but you have to get vulnerable. You have to do that deep work to really kind of set yourself free. So that's really what it looked like for me was just like diving into who is Kelsey? What does she need? What is her purpose? But Kelsey, the person first, not the teacher who's consumed everything, but the person first. And then the teacher takes care of herself. Yes, absolutely. And I do show up for my students in a better, better way than I used to. And again, I don't want to say like there are still struggles. This has actually been one of my probably my hardest year, I would say. So there's not to say there's not going to be struggles. But now what's different is like you said, Kelsey first, like that's how it is. And I'm still showing up for my students and I'm still getting everything done that I need to for them. But the difference is I'm doing that same exact thing for myself too. Yeah. And I, cause I think that's like the subconscious fear that so many of us have is that if we put ourselves first, that's selfish and therefore other people's needs will not be taken care of. And our responsibilities towards other people, like the students in our class, will be lacking because we're like putting ourselves first and not caring about them. That's not actually what it means. It doesn't mean that because we're putting ourselves and our needs at the top of the list that everybody else's, you know, all the other things that we are responsible for with other people don't happen. It's actually that we are able to show up with a kind of cleaner energy, you know, more 
not full of resentment and exhaustion and with such a short fuse that we snap at, you know, the kid who's asked the question for the third time today, you know, like it's actually that we can show up and have more patience and be better for the people around us. And that is so powerful in the classroom, but it's even aside from the classroom, it's just powerful for us as people to be well like that. Yep. And it's, I would say too, even from like figuring all this out, like one thing that has been a non-negotiable for me that has drastically changed from my first year of teaching is I don't bring things home unless I absolutely have to. I'll bring home my plan book and my computer in case, you know, like I get sick last minute and need to get up some sub plans, but like grading anything like that, unless it's like it needs to be done or I'm going to lose my job, I'm not going to bring it home because that's just a boundary that I've set. And as a result of that, I am able to focus on myself more. And guess what? The work still gets done and it's done well. And had I, you know, if I'm sitting on the couch, like trying to play with my dog and trying to catch up on an episode in grading papers, I'm not going to actually see the mistakes that students are making as clearly as I would if I'm honing in on it at school and focusing in on it. So even through, through that way, I'm able to show up for them more because I'm able to see specific things. Whereas when I would bring stuff home, I would be doing five other things at once. And so it wasn't effective. Yeah. And so I really like that because you've worked out that that's what works for you and that having that boundary actually made you a better teacher. And I, and I know like, that's the whole point. We all have to figure out what works for us. And cause for some people it's actually, it's about, well, actually at school, there's all these interruptions. And if I take it home, I get it done without the interruptions and I'm more effective, like different strokes for different folks. But I really like that you did that self-reflection to go, yeah, this isn't effective and this is not the best use of my time let me try something else and see how that goes. Oh, it's working better. Let's make that a non-negotiable because it makes everything else better. Yeah. And that that's the thing too, with the journey to self-care and to self-fulfillment is what worked for me isn't going to work for Ellen and <laughs> what works for Ellen isn't going to work for the next person. Like we all have our own journeys and yes, a lot of us do implement similar things that do end up working. Yeah, absolutely. We learn from each other. Yes. You just, you have to try and, you know, tap into those people who have done the work and do know what it looks like and start there, get some ideas from them. You know, if it's something that you're like, well, I know I'm not feeling right, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go from here. I need help. I need guidance. Tap into people who have been there. Ask around. I didn't even realize until I started asking around within the past year, like, how many teachers feel this way? And you're not alone in this. And I think that's what's really important to know too, because I felt like I was, because it's something that we don't talk about. Yeah, that's a really important point. And I mean, that's something that I hope through this podcast, I'm able to make it clear that, you know, you're not alone and that sure, the struggles that you're having might not be reflected in anyone around you in your particular school. Maybe there's nobody in your immediate circle that's going through this, but maybe there is and they're not talking about it, but that you're not alone and that there are solutions and that, like, it's not a one size fits all. What works for you doesn't work for me or what worked for me this year. Maybe it's not going to work for me in three years time. Certainly my self-care has changed a lot since I'm now not single living by myself and can, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's another person in the house now that I need to consider and whose schedule also impacts mine and all of that. So it's like life happens and you've got to keep rolling with it. But yeah, to be tuned into that and also aware that you're not alone and you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to solve it on your own either. I like that. Tap into the networks that you've got 
And even like now in the day with social media, you can easily just like make a Facebook status or, you know, something like that. And you don't even have to make it look like, oh, I'm struggling. It's just like, oh, hey, I was doing it fake it till you make it basically. You know what I mean? It'd be like, Oh, I was reading this book. And I read that a lot of teachers are feeling burnout from XYZ. I'm just curious, you know, who else is feeling that way. And then from that, like people will probably respond, just be like, Oh me, but then you can dive into a deeper conversation with them one-on-one and be like, okay, what's that look like for you? What have you tried? I'm feeling this way right now. What would you suggest I try to start off with? And just like, don't be scared to admit it. Don't feel like people are going to think you're less of a teacher because you're struggling like that. If you don't take action, it's going to play out and be more negative than if you are upfront and honest and say, hey, I'm struggling. So true. And so on that note, what does self-care look like to you these days? Like in a typical week, typical school week, what practices and support people are in your life to help cultivate well-being for you? Yeah. Well, one for sure, if like thinking school wise, it's definitely the fact now that my non-negotiable is not bringing stuff home. That is a huge part of my self-care because then I am able to turn off the teacher hat when I come home. And I know I'm not going to have to worry. I mean, obviously I'm a teacher. I still worry about like my students and stuff, but like, I don't have to worry about the work until I get back there the next day. So that's one for me. Another is I have a nightly routine that I do my best to be very consistent with. And obviously there are days where, you know, it's not going to work out or there are days where I'm not feeling called to it. And so I know, I think that's another piece of my self-care now that I'm thinking about it is like, I do things that I feel called to do and I don't do things that don't feel right. So if there's a night where I'm just like, you know what, my nightly routine isn't calling to me right now, doing this instead is I'll do that. So what's in your nightly routine? Yeah. So I have it start around six ish because I know like that's the time where like I will for sure be home from meetings and all of that. And I, if the weather's nice when it's not winter anymore here in good old Nebraska, I take my dog for a walk as part of that before that like six o'clock time hits. And then so like six to six 30, I'll do like my dinner, um, maybe catch up on some shows. But then after that, like the TV is off. And then I work on like my blog, or I'll be over on Instagram, working on my website, working on content from 630 to anywhere from 715 to 730. And then that's where like screen time turns off. And so like, obviously, like I turn my TV off at 630. But then when you're working on online stuff, you have to be on a screen. So my screen time will stop then. And that's when I'll shower. That's when I'll pack my lunch for the next day. That's when I'll get the coffee pot set up. And like, these are all like, they're the things that need to be done. You know what I mean? (laughs) But like, I still, I need it in a routine. Well, you've made it like a ritual, right? And that's the difference is that it's no longer like, oh, this is a chore. Like, oh yeah, I've got to make sure that, you know, like the coffee is ready for tomorrow and I'm going to pack my lunch. It's like, no, no, no. I'm doing this because it's good for me and it makes tomorrow easier. And it means that I'm hopefully making good choices about what I eat for lunch because I'm not like making the decision in the absolute midst of my hunger that's telling me just to eat the cookies. Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 
that leads me to another, gosh, I, you don't re- really realize how much self-care stuff you have until you start talking about it. But like I do meal prep every Sunday so that I have lunches and stuff ready for the week. So that's another one because that cares for me, like physically, obviously through my health, but then same thing, like you said, like, I don't have to think or stress about what I'm going to pack. Like it's just there, it's ready. And I throw it in the lunchbox and it's good to go. Yeah. It eliminates decision fatigue around that, around food, at least there'll be other decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. But that one last thing, right? What was it? it? There's a stat that teachers make more decisions in a day than doctors or something like that. And so it's like, there's one less that you have to do. But, um, but then like my calm, my calm down routine, and this is the part that's really like the big, like Kelsey first is so once all of that stuff's done, I'll start diving into some personal development, whether it's like business development or like I've done a couple like online courses that are similar to the one that I run where there's like workbooks involved and everything like that. And so it's not on the computer, but it's from like an online course. So I'll work on that. That's like, I'm either growing myself or I'm growing my business or whatever that may be. Or it may be teacher stuff too. You know, if I have something that I have to have read for school, that might be a time that I plug that in. But that's just like Kelsey growth time. I like that Kelsey growth time. (laughs) Yeah. In whatever realm of Kelsey that is, if that's teacher Kelsey, if that's entrepreneur Kelsey, if that's just Kelsey. Mm, Kelsey the person, exactly. Yes, yes, it's that time. And so then from that, I move into my journaling and my coloring time. And so I'll journal out. I journal twice during the day. I journal once in the morning and then once at night. And at night, it's more of a reflective piece. I'll write out things that I'm proud of for myself that day. I never write down anything that went wrong. I make it a very positive experience. So even if it was a terrible day, like if the positive needs to be, I woke up this morning, then that's what the positive is going to be. But it has to be positive for me. And then, so I just write that kind of stuff out, reflect on my day. And then I color and I just turn on some music, usually like classical or like a relaxing Pandora station. And I just color for a little bit. And then I will read for 30 minutes just to really, I, I, reading is something that I loved as a kid that I let go of. And so that's why it's something that I made a priority to be a part of that nightly routine and for 30 minutes. And even like as an adult, I would be like, okay, I'm going to get back into reading. I'm going to buy this book that I'm super excited to read and I'm going to read it. And then, oh, it's summer break and I'm finally touching the book. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out buying the book and having it on your shelf is not the same as reading the book. Right. And so like, that was what I got into. And so I was finally like, no, this is something that makes you happy. This is something that you enjoy. And it, again, it is something that's going to help you grow. Reading is great for you. And so that had to be a part of that nightly wind down routine. And I have read so much more this year than I have in years past. And honestly, it hasn't been that much, but it's been more and I'm on my way. So yeah. And and that little bit every day adds up, even though you can feel like, Oh, you know, you got like halfway through that chapter or something, but it adds up over time. As you said, it may not be heaps, but it's way more than there was way more books being read than were being read before. Yes, exactly. And that's something I can be proud of and happy with. And so then the final thing is something that I've really gotten into within the past, a little under a year now, and that's meditation. 
And I haven't, I'm not at the place where I can meditate on my own. I honestly, I don't know if I will ever be there or if that's even something that I, a position that I aspire to be at, but I do really enjoy guided meditations. I have an app that I use for that. And that really helps me wind down. And I used to struggle so much with falling asleep, just simply from like, and I, I do think my nightly routine in general has a huge piece to play in this, but meditation, especially like I could not shut my brain off at night and it was really hard for me to fall asleep. I'd lay in bed for up to two, three hours some nights. And now I turn on this meditation and it's like an 18 minute one. I don't remember the last time I made it to the end (laughs) before I was, I was asleep. I just fall asleep to it. And I honestly, I do not remember the last time that I was still awake when it ended. It was at least a few months ago now. And again, like I said, I do think the nightly routine in general, you know, turning off the screen. Oh, for sure. That, that wind down time away from screens, very important. It plays into it. But I mean, even last night, I, I didn't follow my nightly routine because I had, again, some other things that I was feeling called to do instead. But that meditation piece, I still keep consistent because I'm like, I do it right when I get into bed anyway. So there's no reason to not. And I was asleep by the time it was over, at least because I don't remember it ending. So I I think it makes a a really big difference. Well, and then getting enough sleep, you know, like actually sleeping also makes a huge difference on the rest of your health and well-being because insomnia or just being sleep deprived in general is so detrimental. Like that's, that's so common for teachers to not be able to turn off at night. And actually I've got an episode this season. I'm not sure where it will be in the order of the episodes coming out, but I've got one about sleep because it's been been something that's come up again for me recently. And it's so powerful. Getting proper sleep is so powerful. Yep. And that's the thing too, with that nightly routine, I have alarms set for it so that I go to bed at the time that I want to go to bed. Is that a Gretchen Rubin thing? Did you get that from Gretchen Rubin? Because <laughs> I got that from Gretchen Rubin. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I don't remember where I got that from. I've heard her say that, that you said set an alarm to wake up. So set an alarm to go to bed. So you know you're going to bed on time. Well, I, so I think this is where this stemmed from. When I was working with the last coach that I was working with, she was who I was working with when I set up this nightly routine and this schedule. And so we had prioritized all that and set it up. And then I think I was just like, I was finding myself checking my phone a lot because we had set the times in place. And so I was finding myself checking the phone a lot to see like what time it was, how much more time I need to spend on this. And finally, I was just like, just set an alarm on your phone. And so that takes away from it too, because I'm not checking my phone or, you know, the clock on the microwave, whatever it may be to see what time it is. And so, yeah, I have one at 9 p.m., I'm an better that literally says bed. Yep. No, totally. I'm a big, big fan of that one. I really like your nightly routine and especially because it's all about like, it's all about prioritizing the things that are going to make Kelsey the person healthier and, you know, have more well-being. but also Kelsey, the teacher is going to benefit immensely from all of those things, from that growth, from that personal growth and the, you know, doing that self-development work, but also just from the general changes in life so that you are happier and have more energy to show up in the classroom. All of those things are powerful, powerful for Kelsey, the teacher as well. But that's not the only reason that you do them. Like it's, you you know, you deserve the self-care because it's you and it's your life and no one else has more of an interest in making your life enjoyable than you do. Right. And that's the thing too, is our lives are so short. Like, why do we want to spend them like in that 
you know, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I and just that constant cycle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, this has been really wonderful, Kelsey. Can you tell us a little bit how you work with people? Because I know you do a little bit of coaching on the side. Yeah, so I offer a few things. Every once in a while, I'll do, I'm actually uh, running it right now. But of course, when this episode comes out, it won't be happening anymore. But I do some free stuff. Like I have a free challenge going on right now that just kind of helps people get in touch with those things. Like for my reading, for example, like what is something that you want to do for yourself that like you're not doing anymore? So I help people through some stuff. I have some freebies on my website also, but then like the actual work that I do, I offer a course on finding alignment. So getting in touch with, for example, Kelsey, the person, you know, who is she? What does she desire outside of what she does for a living? And then we work to implement those things even more. And so that's like a group course. So there's people who are in it with you, supporting you along the way. But then I also offer one-on-one coaching where I work one-on-one with women who are struggling with this, feeling lost, feeling disconnected with who they are outside of that career. And we just kind of, we do talk about the deep stuff. We work through what is it that's gotten you to this point? What do we need to get more clarity around? How are we going to manage your time so that you can achieve these things? And that's just a lot more personable, you know, and like in whomever I'm working with on that, what I'm providing them is a lot more honed in on what they need. Whereas the course is just, it's like a class, you know, it's this overview of it. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I like that description. And um, just to wrap things up, where can people connect with you online? Yeah. So I am on Facebook and Instagram. I mainly live on Instagram. Well, that's how we met. Exactly. Like, like I get on my Facebook and I I do have a Facebook group too that I interact on more than just like my general Facebook, but um, I do live on Instagram. And so I'm at Adventuring Kelsey on both those platforms. And then that's my website as well. It's just adventuringkelsey.com. Well, brilliant. Thank you, Kelsey. And I'm going to put all those links in the show notes and the description of this episode so people can find them in their podcast app, whatever they're choosing to listen to this on or on the website. And thank you so much, Kelsey. It's been wonderful. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks again for having me. It was fun. You're so welcome. Me again, just popping in with a little reminder If you are in Southeast Queensland, remember to go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash workshop to book in for the teacher wellbeing workshop in Toowoomba that I'm running with Miranda on the 29th of June. Get in quick, spots are limited. And also remember if you are interested in these reflect and refocus coaching sessions, they're one-off sessions at the end of term during the June-July school holidays, time for you to pause, reflect on what's going on, The best time to do that is when you are tired and grumpy and frustrated with how things are. All the things that you want to change usually fresh in your mind then. So head on over to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching and book in for your one-off reflect and refocus coaching session so that we can help you support yourself as a person first and a teacher second heading into the rest of the year. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, 
hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. Season five of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is proudly supported by Katrina Burke Coaching, Teachers Thriving, Zoe from My Smart Community, Jessica from Lead and Inspire, and Katie from See Me, Know Me, Teach Me. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second, and you are worthy of your own care.